Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about the Spanish monarchy. Spain's royal family has been rocked in recent years by wave after wave of scandal and controversy. The former king, Juan Carlos, once a very popular figure, fled the country last August amidst ongoing corruption investigations and is currently residing in the UAE. In Catalonia, visits from the reigning monarch, Felipe VI, who ascended the throne in 2014, are invariably greeted with protests. Not a surprise given that less than one in five people living here say they are in favour of having a monarchy. So lots to discuss on today's podcast. A bit later, we'll be hearing from Christina Tomas-White, who has been speaking to one of the writers of a new book that's flying off the shelves called The King's Armour. And we'll hear from a journalist who broke the story of Juan Carlos's $100 million Swiss bank account. With me now, it's Gifrey Jordan and Alnry Thrall. Hi, Lorcan. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So it's fair to say that the Spanish monarchy, it's not the most revered institution at present, especially maybe in Catalonia. But it did play an important role during the transition to democracy after the death of the dictator, Francisco Franco. Yeah, indeed. Uh, worth noting that the Spanish king, Juan Carlos, was nominated by Franco some years before he died. And this is an argument Republicans now and for decades have been saying. So we have a monarchy which was nominated, appointed directly by a fascist dictator. Um, and, and maybe as a quick note, it's worth mentioning, like, why was um, Juan Carlos not in power as a king already? And the fact is that, well, we had this almost 40-year dictatorship by, by Franco. He came to power in the 1930s following a coup d'etat and a civil war. And this coup d'etat was to overthrow the democratic Second Republic regime. And actually, the republic was created in a way when there was an election, parties against the monarchy won and then the king fled the country. And this king was uh, Alfonso Thirteenth. He was the grandfather of Juan Carlos. Uh, his father, Juan, he, he was never king. And it was Juan Carlos who was then, as Gifre said, appointed by Franco and continued the, this, this dynasty. And only after swearing the principles of the fascist dictatorship, Los Principios del Movimiento Nacional, when he was uh, appointed... Nevertheless, he left behind the, the dictatorship and he played a very important role in Spain's transition into the democracy that Spain has now in the late 1970s. And there was a key moment when there was an attempted coup d'etat in 1981. Yeah, el 23F, the 23rd of February. We actually just celebrated the, the 40th anniversary. It was like, like a group of uh, military men stormed the, the Congress, the Spanish Congress, and they ordered law- lawmakers to, to stay quiet. They, they were attempting to, to overthrow the transition to democracy. They were firing shots in yeah, the air. Exactly. And then Juan Carlos went on, on TV, he made an address saying that the, the coup d'etat had failed. And, well, he's credited for stopping that coup d'etat and therefore ensuring that the transition to democracy could continue and go on. Because maybe it was still a little bit fragile at that stage. It was so soon after the end of the dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. And after those events, uh, the popularity of the monarchy and especially of Juan Carlos uh, skyrocketed. This concept Juan Carlismo was born, meaning that some people who were Republicans were nevertheless supporting Juan Carlos because of his 
personality, because of what he did in transition, and because of his easygoing uh, manner. He was uh, labeled as Campechano. Campechano. <laughs> we could translate into English as easygoing. Yeah, kind of easygoing. So although he was this king, he was kind of relatable, or ordinary people kind of liked him as well. Yeah, yeah. For instance, in the 90s, we had this Barcelona Olympic Games. He was like chairing the opening ceremony. His son, Felipe, was an athlete in the 1992 Olympics. Their popularity was, was growing. Even in Catalonia, uh, where one of the daughters of Juan Carlos, Cristina, was married to a Barca handballer, Iñaki Urdangarín. Yeah. It, all, it all sounded very nice at uh, those times. Although the story uh, began to... Unravel a little bit? No? Yeah. Or, you know, it, it, so a very rosy picture at that stage. So what's gone wrong? Well, yeah, in the 2000s, I think a new generation came in and criticism against the crown started to, to mount. Parodies popped up, especially in Catalonia. And a corruption case involving Urdangarín, the king's son-in-law. Uh, this handball player. who This handball for... player. He actually ended up in jail. And he's still in prison today. Yes, indeed. And this began to shift the public opinion yeah, the, the turning point probably came in 2012. I think it's one of the most famous moments, for, especially for maybe younger generations relating to, to Juan Carlos. It was reported that he had gone on an elephant hunting trip in Botswana. Spain was going through a, an extremely harsh economic crisis. And I think he broke his hip. So he had to be brought back to, to Spain and, and had surgery, and that's why um, the story came to light. There's this famous video of him like leaving the hospital and telling journalists, lo siento, me equivocado, no volverá a pasar. Like, I'm sorry, I, I made a mistake, and this won't happen again. And this is, like, everybody remembers this. It's a bit like a, a schoolboy who's done something naughty, it sounds a little bit. Yeah, more. it was like this, yeah, yeah. And and, and this, this was a turning point to the extent that he abdicated two years later in 2014. So the pressure was mounting on him, and he had to abdicate so that... Uh, the crown, the institution could be saved. So at that moment in 2014, Felipe took over. But, but still, talks of a republic uh, began and continued and were, were higher than ever in, in Catalonia, but not only in Catalonia. Um, well, I would say that maybe in Catalonia it was more linked to the independence issue. But in Spain, like the popularity of the crown, maybe it's inseparable from from the scandals uh, involving Juan Carlos, because it's like Felipe is the king. I, I wouldn't say he has had many scandals, but it's like Juan Carlos has been again and again uh, more more scandals involving him. And one of them broke in Switzerland, Alan. Exactly. I talked to a, a journalist, the, the journalist who broke the story, uh, Sylvain Besson, and well, he, he can tell us more about it. Let's have a listen. A year ago. On the 4th of March of 2020, the Swiss newspaper The Tribune de Genève broke a major story. Juan Carlos I, the former king of Spain, had received $100 million from Saudi Arabia and hid them in Switzerland. Sylvain Besson is one of the journalists who got the scoop. It's, a, it's a supposed to be a modern king in a modern Western European country. And uh, the fact that he kept this money for himself without telling anyone is, um, is, is very, very special and makes the story really extraordinary, I would say. 
Juan Carlos's representatives have said the money was purely a gift from his good friend, the late Saudi king. But the Swiss judge believes that it could be a payback for his services, namely persuading the Spanish railway company building a high-speed train in Mecca to offer its clients, the Saudis, a generous discount. What could happen uh, and could be interesting is that, yes, the king could be heard as a witness. I mean, the judge in Switzerland cannot accuse him of anything because he was covered by his immunity as head of state at the time in Spain. But he could try to, to, to ask him questions, you know, saying, you know, we, what happened? You were the king, you know, why did you get this money? And, you know, he could try to gain some, some more insights. I'm not sure that this would help his case a lot. So I'm not sure that he's going to, to want to do it. Juan Carlos received the money in 2008. In 2012, he had to close his bank account following a change in legislation. And the timing could not have been worse. Right after his infamous trip to Botswana to hunt elephants, traveling there with his lover in the midst of the economic crisis. When this story became huge in Spain, uh, well, he has to find a way to get rid of the money because if the money is discovered at that point, the, the, the monarchy could could explode completely. You know, maybe. And so he decides to to give this money to his lover, uh, Corinna Susan Wittgenstein, and the money goes away uh, to the Bahamas first and then to the US. So the money today, we don't really know where it is, but it's uh, probably in the US. The judge has discovered the existence of two offshore funds in Panama and Liechtenstein. He is investigating two of Juan Carlos's aides, the bank where he kept the suspicious funds, and Corina. She says the money was a gift even an attempt to win her back after breaking up. But many question marks remain unresolved. The son expects new developments in the coming months. And talking to him, I get the feeling that he can't wait to see what happens. The characters are incredible. It's, uh, you know, completely larger than live uh, figures. You know, Juan Carlos is a, is a famous historical figure, but even uh, his lover is an incredible uh, character in a way. And also that it's, of course, it's a love story, you know, gone wrong uh, between these two very special people. So um, it makes it all the more interesting and much more interesting than most uh, you know, financial stories that we used to cover there. Our thanks to Sylvain Besson. So all sorts of offshore accounts, and we don't really know what's yeah, going that, that's, on. Yeah, that's not what you would expect, actually, from from a, a king, like to be to be connected to offshore funds in in, in Panama and Liechtenstein, and and actually this led to the to the current king, his son Felipe, to renounce his inheritance from Juan Carlos because he was mentioned. Felipe was mentioned in one of these offshore funds, and you, you can imagine the the scandal that that this was. And all, all this within the last year, all the Swiss case this offshore funds. And on top of that, we also heard about Juan Carlos paying off some debt to the Spanish tax office. Five million euro debt. More than five million. (laughs) More than five million. So so if that is the debt uh, to the tax office, what is the amount of undeclared income? We don't know the origin of this income either. So so it's a bit of a a dark issue. It's very murky. (laughs) So, So that leads us to talk about you know, why the uh, monarchy now, why the Spanish monarchy is now so um, unpopular, especially in Catalonia. On the one hand, we are talking about all these alleged corruption scandals. And on on the other one as well, all the independence issue that Alan mentioned before. So 
Yeah, in 2017, amid the independence push in Catalonia, King Felipe addressed the nation, let's say, something that he only does on Christmas Eve. So that was very extraordinary, let's say. And two days after the independence referendum, he complained about the Catalan leaders, the Catalan government, and he, he told them off and, and he told them to, to stick to the Spanish constitution. And I think most importantly is, is the fact that he did not make any mention to the more than 1,000 people who were injured by police trying to, to stop the vote. And because he, he, he had never done, nor his father, apart from the, the coup d'etat in 1981, because the Spanish constitution provides that a king has to be neutral so they don't have to get involved in politics. So, so that was shocking. And I wasn't living here at the time, but I guess that there were pots and pans probably involved in the reaction to that speech, was there? Indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah that <laughs> we're, very... we're used to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so yeah. if anyone doesn't know here, if, um, you know, if, if people in Catalonia don't like something, they, it's time <laughs> to get out the pots and pans and make an absolute racket. So I'd, I'd say it was, it was noisy that night. Not only that day, not only those weeks in October 2017, but ever since when King Felipe has visited Catalonia, so he's always had to face you know, protests and, and noise and, and so on. The extent of his unpopularity is pretty clear when you check public opinion polls. 71% of people in Catalonia say they prefer a republic. 14.5% say a monarchy. I mean, that is overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, and especially with the, with the youth. Uh, so if you check the 18 to 34 age range, the support of Republic is even higher, you know, over 80%. And, and monarchy and support for monarchy is around 10% only. Yeah. And, and even if actually if you check like people over 65, I mean, it's not even 20% support the monarchy yeah. and almost 60% are against it. So yeah. even in the age group that is supposed to be like more like friendlier to the monarchy, like the, the figures are, are, are clear. And if you check at the institutions and the support each of them have, the monarchy is always in all polls the last one. Yeah, so if you give them a, a mark out of 10, if you ask people, okay, uh, you know, for example, the police is just below six, political parties hovering around three, but the, in, the, in the last poll, the Spanish crown, an average of 1.86 and uh, over half actually gave a score of zero. So <laughs> yeah. really, really, really low approval ratings. Well, actually, this week, our colleague Scarlett Rayners has been out and about in Barcelona to ask people on the streets what their view of the monarchy is. The president is elected by the people. The king or the queen has to be born. That's completely stupid in the 21st century. They could make things to have people agree with them, but at the moment they're not doing much, so that's I think that's their mistake and they should do more. I'm a bit neutral. I think here it's a bit necessary, but I wish it wasn't, but I'm not very against it. It's outdated and I think monarchies nowadays are irrelevant. I think they should go to the exile. We pay a lot uh, for them to be maintained and they do nothing. I'm from Japan and we have a king actually and we have all of that and I think it's kind of a waste of our money. You know, it's 2021, maybe the same for Spain, but yeah, in Japan it's really annoying that we have a king. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, there are many more important things to think about it. I suppose it won't last too much scandals. I think it doesn't affect really to the normal life to people. 
I like the last guy there. He just, you know, he just can't be bothered with any of this debate. He's just like, yeah, whatever. I've got more important things going on. That kind of suits the monarchy too, doesn't it? Because if people have that attitude, then yeah, they're going to they're gonna survive. Whereas the more overtly <laughs> Republican ones are kind of like, they've got their work cut out a bit. But the, but the monarchy isn't helping, you know, because this issue when, when Carlos abdicated in 2014, it seemed that the waters were calm. Uh, but, you know, there's some cor- corruption st- scandals and other things over and over. So the debate is back in the headlines again. So In, in a way, I feel like it's better for the monarchy to uh, not be like in the news and stay in the like magazines. Um, it makes me think actually of, of my grandmother because I, I recently talked to her and I asked her about, about the king and she was actually furious like she she said no that he 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 lied to us and i remember that um in, in my childhood like it's not like they were particularly supportive of the king but it was just like well just another character like uh, that, that appears on tv every now and then like uh, nothing against him like but now like uh, you, you better don't mention him <laughs> to to my to my grandmother now, recently, there was a book that came out called La Armadura del Rey, uh, which is the king's armor. And it looks at how state apparatus and politicians and courts kind of support the monarchy, sometimes in the background. Our colleague, Christina Tomas-White, has been speaking to Albert Calatrava, one of the book's authors. The King's Armor, or La Armadura del Rey, is a recently released book about how Spain has protected its scandal-ridden monarchy for the past four decades, turning a blind eye to its sins. Written by three journalists, TV3 en Catalunya Radio's Albert Calatrava, Público's Ana Pardo de Vera, and ETV's Eido Hurtado, after extensive documentary research and interviews, many of them off record, they chronicle the way in which those in power have shielded both former King Juan Carlos and current King Felipe. This week, I was able to speak to Albert Calatrava, who very kindly found the time for me in his busy schedule covering Spanish politics and courts for Madrid. Protecting the monarchy was a way of protecting Spain's 1978 transition to democracy following the death of dictator Francisco Franco, Albert told me. According to him, there have always been suspicions that Juan Carlos was involved in questionable business affairs, while certain people in business, as well as judges, politicians, and the media looked the other way to avoid disrupting the post-Franco constitutional monarchy agreement. But after writing this book, Albert has no doubt that these suspicions are, in fact, not only true, but that the former king's dealings were carried out, quote, shamelessly and practically with the collusion of some state powers. These hush-hush affairs were swept under the rug for decades until they became too difficult to hide, prompting Juan Carlos to abdicate in 2014 and to move to Abu Dhabi only last summer. Albert believes the former king will end up coming back to Spain sooner or later, although his son doesn't think it's ideal at the moment, given the ongoing inquiries into his finances. Could the current king also be involved in his father's corruption scandals? This is something we don't yet know for sure, Albert says. Last year, the news broke that Felipe had been the beneficiary of two of Juan Carlos's offshore funds, but it surfaced that a year earlier, he'd already gone to a notary to have his name removed from the accounts. 
There are currently three ongoing investigations that are being carried out by Spain's Supreme Court Prosecutor's Office. But Albert doesn't expect much will come from them and says that even one of the court's magistrates they spoke to admits that they tend to protect the status quo. If anything, maybe the Swiss prosecutor looking into Juan Carlos's accounts might be able to find something out. There's no question the former king's conduct has landed the Spanish crown in hot water, which is why Albert believes that if it wants to survive in the long run, it will have to become more transparent. This might happen later rather than sooner, given the socialist tendency to vote with the Conservative People's Party and far-right votes against congressional probes into the royal family. But Albert says that there are members of the current Spanish government that are aware of this need for greater openness and have talked about a possible crown law of sorts to know exactly how much public money is being spent on the royal family directly and indirectly and where. Albert argues that members of the royal family should, just like politicians, have to submit public declarations of their assets, and that if Felipe wants to stay in power in the future, or if he ever wants his daughter to become the Queen of Spain one day, the Spanish monarchy will have to be more transparent about their money. That was Albert Calatrava. We heard from speaking to Cristina Tomás White. His book, which he wrote along with Ana Pardo de Vera and Aider Hurtado, is called The Armadura del Rey, The King's Armour. So what do we think the future might hold for the monarchy? I know it's, it's impossible to say, but support is so low. Does that matter? Does that make a difference? I mean, is it tied into the independence movement here or are they separate things? To be honest, what we've just heard about this book, I think, will continue. You know, the, 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 the state apparatus is not, it's nothing you change in, in two days. Apart from that, there's no interest in changing in the top spheres of, of the Spanish state. For instance, you know, if you criticize the monarch, there's a specific crime in the criminal code, uh, slander to the crown, and, you know, if you try to vote some motion in Parliament on the king, like Catalonia's Parliament has done, it is also taken to the Constitutional Court and, and in the end barred. So, so the future is pretty safe for the monarchy, I'd say. And, and you mentioned um, its, its links to the, to the Catalan independence issue. A lot of people ask sometimes, what is more likely to happen, like a Spanish Republic or a Catalan Republic? But w what's true is that we already had a, a Spanish Republic not that long ago in the, in the 1930s. It's also true that some people say that maybe a Spanish Republic would make support for a Catalan independence drop because maybe um, more people would feel comfortable um, within Spain. But that's just um, a speculation, and as we've seen, like in a year in the in the life of, of the Spanish monarchy, it's a lot of time. Many things can happen. <laughs> time now for our Catalan phrase, Gifre, What is it this week? Well, this week it's acabar como el rosari de la aurora. Yeah, it is not related directly, at least directly to the monarchy, but it kind of makes sense when you look at the, all the events that have been going on. Okay, recently. okay, repeat it there because I didn't quite catch it. Acabar como el rosario de la aurora, which means to, to end up like Aurora's rosary. Okay, and who's Aurora and what happened to her rosary? We don't know Aurora, <laughs> no? but her rosary ended up really badly. Okay, so Aurora's rosary ended up really badly, and I suppose if all these scandals continue... So we'll see what happens to the Spanish monarchy. And that's us for today. 
if you're interested in this theme, we have loads of stories on the Spanish monarchy on our website, which is catalannews.com. Thanks very much for tuning in today. Thanks, Gifre and Alan, for joining me. Thanks, Thanks to you. Thanks also to Albert Calatrava and to Sylvain Besson and to our colleagues, Christina Tomas-White and Scarlett Rainers. We're back again next week with another episode of Filling the Sink. Until then, keep safe. And from all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adeus.